I was in the U.S. to write about the election, to write about uh, what was happening there, and now I'm home, so... Basically, I'm not writing about the election, right? Oh my <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome to Beyond the Newsroom. I'm Renata Sago. And I'm Crystal Chavez. This is a space for everyone telling stories outside the realm of the traditional newsroom. We're talking independent journalists, freelancers, producers, photographers. There are a lot of us out here, and with furloughs and layoffs happening across the country, our numbers keep growing and growing. Yeah, even traditional journalists who are operating inside of bureaus and studios, they're operating beyond the newsroom. I was actually talking to somebody who told me the term is home casting. Like instead of broadcasting, home casting. I love that. We're home casting right now. We've spent the past (laughs) few episodes talking about mental health, social distancing, our finances. And now we're going to head on over to France. Oh, I'm so excited. We're talking with. Hélène Gunut. Say that again. Hélène Gunut. Gunut. <laughs> I love your French accent. I love when you speak French. It's, oh my it's gosh. So hot. I, had fun. <laughs> I was living there long enough to learn at least something. Hélène Gunut. Hélène Gunut? Yes, yes. Hélène Gunut. Yes. Am yes. I saying it right? Yes. <laughs> you got this. You are right. I hope it. she listens to this. Hélène <laughs> Gunut is from France. But up until COVID-19 hit, she was in the U.S. covering our presidential race. Comment ça va? <laughs> en anglais, je connais pas la réponse à cette question. Et en français non plus, c'est une catastrophe. What's she saying there? She's basically saying, how am I? I don't know how to answer this question in English or French. It's a catastrophe. You should Google the name of my town and you'll be like, oh my Poor thing. <laughs> so you, you Googled it. What'd you find? So Helen is living in um, Niort. It's in the west of France. So it's like south of Paris. And it's like north of Bordeaux. It's a small town. It's boring. Before coming to the U.S., she was living in Paris. She took her stuff to her hometown and had it in storage with her family. And then she came to the U.S. So when COVID hit, she moved back home with her family when you go out you need to sign a piece of paper explaining why you're out that's insane you have to have a permission slip to to leave your home there's a bit more scrutiny and so if you're kind of not following the the health guidelines then then people know it they see it and they'll report you so elena and i met back uh in iowa last fall and that's where you were doing some field work with a vice, a podcast for vice, right? And Alain, she was doing some work for a few outlets, including Elle. For years, she'd wanted to come to the U.S. to do freelance work. And she actually came here in 2015 for a few months just to test it out. I've met a French journalist, and the biggest advice he gave me was, if you want to spend a year in the U.S., you need to have a lot of money because it's super expensive. And so that's what I did. So I spent five years uh, saving money. I saved like more than almost 30 thousand euros she made all that money by writing about feminism the me too movement got her paid it was like a few months 
before the election year. So I figured I can wait a little bit more so I can cover the election. I mean, to me, it was a perfect opportunity. And at that time, I guess, uh, I was thinking so many women are running, you know, I want to be there. I want to see that. Well, it was like she wanted to be a part of this history. And then this whole virus happened. I mean, it, we've been talking about just sort of it throwing a monkey wrench in plans, you know, um, for everyone. So when when she got here, she was traveling a lot, telling stories for a podcast, and then doing some print work as well, right? Yeah, she was doing a lot. I mean, when I met, she had a a recorder and, and, and everything, like the ones that we use to do our audio work. She was working for Le Monde, which in France is like at the level of the New York Times. She was in New York. She was in D.C. She was traveling. She was in Chicago, Des Moines. Yes, and as a freelancer, you can cover a wide range of stuff. She was even in Salem, too, right? Yes, she was. She was covering witches and talking about feminism. I love it. Yeah, she went to South Carolina, too, for the primary. Thank you, thank you, thank you, South Carolina! And that was pretty big. Uh... Because just just to be there when Joe Biden won, I mean, that was such a weird night. Because Biden was so bad in Iowa, and I don't know what happened in South Carolina. Like, suddenly, the guy was just really good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so interesting to hear her perspective. Um, that's, That's a lot of money, though, in logistics to go from place to place covering... Uh, the presidential primaries, especially if you're a freelancer and you're paying for your own travel budget. One thing I do remember her talking about was she packed light. She had one small suitcase and she learned, she told me she watched YouTube videos. She practiced how to put all of her clothing in this small suitcase so that at any moment she could just be on the go. She could hop on a bus, on a train, on a plane. Her priority for being a freelancer here covering politics was just to do that, cover politics. It's about the work. It's not about like, oh, my hair got to be so fly. Oh, I got to have these stilettos to go in my skinny jeans to go to the press conference. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. I have a cousin like that who can just fit an amazing amount of stuff (laughs) in one little suitcase. Like Like, with a camera, it's huge. It's so heavy. And then I have products that I need. Right? I mean, it's not. (laughs) I, I, I try. I can get away with a little bag on like a frontier plane like I've done it but I don't I mean I like looking cute <laughs> I like having different shoes to match my outfits <laughs> I know right I mean it's it's like a fashion component because I know when I was in Iowa like you're interviewing candidates so you want to look you want to look nice you want to but yeah Ellen she was about that life like look I'm a reporter I'm an explorer so to speak and I have my uniform and she had one, you know, just beyond that, which she she just had a lot of, of being able to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. 
and I'm going to interview like the Sunrise Movement or I'm going to interview um, Joe Biden supporters or I want to go to a Trump rally and ask people if they want to see Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders uh, in this election. Like I'm going to have a conversation about uh, young voters. Like I was really free to do whatever I wanted to do. But then at the same time, it was really hard for her to get buy-in from her editors abroad because, like, the, the game is so competitive here, really. And, and outlets, they're having a tendency to look at freelancers as, like, representatives of whole regions. So that is something that happened to her. Usually what editor-in-chief will say to you is, we already working with someone. You know, we already have someone in New York and you're like, yeah, but I'm in Georgia and I don't think you have someone in Georgia, but whatever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, trying to trying to sell your your angle and what you're thinking of. And that's sort of the gatekeeper, maybe not always understanding the power of local of a regional angle or just the power of having a different voice and perspective in yep. the interviewer. Yep. Girl, preach! That is real. <laughs> it's like it's so one one reporter is not just, you know, claimed South Korea. You know what I mean? There are many people <laughs> that can cover, and there are enough stories to go around. Everybody has a unique set of experiences that lead them into being a storyteller. There are some people who have the gift of, like, pulling out truths, you know, from other people, like people who are very closed off. I think you're really good at this. You can have a conversation with someone who may be closed off and you can excavate sort of these 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 powerful things about them. It's like a challenge. If someone doesn't want to talk, I just keep on bothering them. <laughs> and then eventually <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then you get other reporters who are just really good at digging in on data you get some people who are like really good with people so all of these play a role in a pitch and so if editors are limited to oh we have one person covering the whole continent of africa <laughs> we have someone for all of brazil sorry you know and that that happens <laughs> yeah but then these same editors will be like we don't have enough reporters covering rural america <laughs> it's like what <laughs> Stop. So um, this is deep. So, okay, Ellen was saying that she, she's she got a perspective on this, and I think it's interesting about how COVID will affect this dynamic in France. A lot of French media will use this virus as an excuse to not hire you and to not uh, give you assignment. French media they were already struggling before this crisis. So Elena's is fine for now. You know, as I said earlier, she's still got some money saved up. You know, she's living with her family, so her expenses are really, really low. But the thing is, not everybody is Elena. You know, if you're not in that position and you're in France, you're a freelancer, she says there are some benefits in place because of the crisis to help you out. You can be paid even though you don't work as much. Freelance journalists, most of the time, they don't have this. That's inequalities because we as freelance journalists, when we work for a magazine for a long period of time, we're supposed to be seen as full-time workers, you know. And 
in this crisis, we don't have the same protection. We don't have the same benefit. Definitely some parallels there when we think about the CARES Act here. You know, yes, some more freelancers can be covered, but not not everybody will be. Not everybody's going to have a safety net or a come up. Right. That's true. I mean, a lot of people may be relying on funds like the one we talked about just uh, in an earlier episode. And and that's been really contingent upon donations. I think a public radio station last time I looked donated to the fund. So it's just seeking institutional support, being able to get help from relatives and friends. That's real right now. Um, but all things considered, Ellen in the midst of all of this, she still really wants to get back to the U.S. to cover the elections. That was my plan, and that's still the case. But I don't know, like, would it be possible? Like, So, yeah, I mean, in the meantime, she's talking about women's rights still. She's talking about the pandemic. Something really interesting, Crystal, what do you think about this? She's now looking into this idea that there will be a whole generation of kids affected by this pandemic and like how that will affect them growing up, how they view the world. That is really interesting because mm. you talk about the 9-11 kids and how mm. that affected how they think about terrorism. Um, and now it's going to change how people think about health and hygiene and just where to work from home and, you know, these kids are going to school from home it's just going to be fascinating because this is going to imprint on them you know especially some of the younger ones it'll be fascinating that some of their earliest memories are going to be from quarantine you know let me ask you i mean is there a country we're talking about Ellen. she came to the u.s did you have you ever had a dream country you wanted to go to and like freelance yeah i think like in my early 20s i always wanted to be an international correspondent um, and then I fell in love and got married and stayed. But, you know, maybe somewhere in Central America because of the migrant crisis. Like, I really would like to look more at the roots of why people flee to the U.S. in the first place. I think that would be some really important work. I, I would love to do that. What about you? Ooh. Well, I wrote some short stories when I was living in Guadalupe. And I've done some reporting from Switzerland and Sweden but I really would like to spend some time in Haiti and Vietnam. I'm just fascinated by these former French colonies. Yeah, no wonder you you did some um, Vietnam reporting in Orlando. <laughs> I could see you there. I forgot about that. You were finding a way to do it. Well, what about you guys? What do you What do you want to do? Tell us. Tweet us. You can tweet me. I'm at Crystal R. Chavez. Renata tweets from at Renata Sego. Well, that's all for this episode of Beyond the Newsroom. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Please do. And if you know someone telling stories outside of the traditional newsroom model, if we should spotlight them, email us your ideas. Email the show at doyouhoney at gmail.com. Our show theme song is by Sonato. It's called Picante. I'm Renata Sago. And I'm Crystal Chavez. Oh my gosh, we got to get our choreography going for our music I'm, video. I'm, I've been it's, it's on it. Soon. I've already been on it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I really just think we could just go to like a salsa club whenever they open and then just have someone record us. <laughs> 
that's a good idea. And then, right, because we're, we're in different places, so then maybe we could do like a Zoom thing like they're doing now and then, and then edit it down. Like a social distance music video? I don't know. I don't know. Something a fancier term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.